This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 8, Episode 3. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows, brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023, as of the recording of this episode. My goodness, it is a new year. We did one already, didn't we, Matthew? Yes, we did. I've already forgotten what year we were in. But speaking of which, I'm your host, Riley Bowman, and as you just heard a moment ago, we have co-host and producer Matthew Marister also joining. Hey, dude. Happy to be here with you, bro. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to do the podcast with you, my friend. Today, we're going to be doing a recap of the 2023 SHOT Show that we just recently uh, returned from, and uh, by all accounts, uh, at least or at least by appearances. I don't know. Matthew seems like he's doing pretty well health-wise. Yeah. And, and so far, I'm hanging in there. And uh, so it seems that we escaped 2023 SHOT Show without coming down with the SHOT Show crud. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike, I think I heard today during our daily meeting with our team that uh, our social media manager, Mitch, sounds like he may be under the weather. And our video... Uh, uh, videographer, video editor, video post-producer, all that. Uh, Corey, I think, is a little bit under the weather. So some of us may have escaped unscathed, but not all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but today's episode is sponsored, brought to you by CCW Safe, which is our choice for self-defense coverage, uh, legal coverage in the event that you have to ever use a gun in defense, actually, or any lethal weapon for that matter. I don't know. Did you know that they will cover you not only if you use a gun, but for any uh, weapon that you might use or any type of uh, self-defense situation? Uh, awesome, awesome, guys. We got to connect with a few of them while we were there in Las Vegas at SHOT Show. Uh, so always a pleasure to see our friends over there at CCW Safe and see the good things they're doing. I know that they are doing some awesome things including behind the scenes always trying to make what they you know the services they provide uh the best in the industry and we certainly feel that way which is why they are sponsors of this podcast podcast listeners you can save 10 percent off a ccw safe membership by using the coupon or the discount code cc podcast also guardian nation members of ours can save 20 percent with their special member only discount available and you can find that if you are a guardian nation member you can find that in your member dashboard area uh today's episode also sponsored by the guardian university which is our online video and training library uh repository of tons of video and training content uh all within the the concealedcarry.com and guardian nation family of training go check it out go to concealedcarry.com forward slash guardian university for a short link to get there uh you can actually purchase access to guardian university independently i believe but you can definitely get access or you can purchase access to the different videos within that guardian university and have them added to the guardian university library that you can access yourself uh so you can buy those independently but guardian nation members get access to everything so there's there's good reasons to be a member of guardian nation 
Again, uh, the link for Guardian University, concealedcarry.com forward slash Guardian University. So uh, today, as we mentioned, we wanted to do a recap on the 2023 SHOT Show. Uh, that ran last week. Um, Tuesday through Friday are the official dates of the show. Uh, and then Monday of last week is what's known as the Industry Day at the Range or Range Day. Uh, so we we were able to participate in some of those things. Not all of us were able to make it. In fact, the Range Day was not very good weather <laughs> at all. It was super, super windy and even got a fair amount of rain, uh, including at one point that uh, kind of drove everybody undercover under tents and things like that. <laughs> I My timing was uh, not so awesome. I arrived at the range day just before, a, we'll call it a squall, <laughs> moved <laughs> through. The winds kicked up. The, the rains came just a pouring down. Uh, for, it fortunately didn't last uh, terribly long, probably about 20 minutes or so. But uh, I was able to get a little bit of time on the range and check out some new things and shoot some guns and whatnot. And then, uh, but the reality is, is actually most of us are on the ground Sunday through Saturday. Some of our guys arriving in town on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and then being, you know, we had to be ready to set up a booth at SHOT Show on Monday morning. And then most of our guys uh, leaving Saturday, uh, more, you know, the following Saturday morning. And uh, let's see, Jacob and I actually got there a little bit earlier. Uh, we were able to actually attend the Sig Sauer Media Day event uh, which was which was great, a great event. Uh, always always a pleasure to be able to be a part of that. And it was the first time in a few years since Sig was not there last year at all. Uh, they still did not exhibit at the show officially, and my understanding is that's for the foreseeable future. But they do apparently plan to put on a their own standalone media type event each year. Uh, but we were able to attend that and. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of an over, overview of the of the show, if you will, an itinerary of sorts. We were exhibiting for the first time ever as a company. So we had a concealedcarry.com booth and all of our different brands and companies uh, that, that we are associated with, that we represent, uh, were also represented in that booth. Uh, by that, Mountain and Medical, Range Tech Shot Timers, uh, Ready Up Gear, Barrel Block, uh, KSG Armory holsters, and also, which those are all brands that are part of the concealedcarry.com family of, of companies or brands, but also we represent uh, EDC Belt Company as well as Gunfighter Gun Oil. And I think that, yeah, that's, that's everything that we had represented in that booth. So it was a pretty cool little setup. And uh, overall, I think we had a great time at the show. It was different being on the exhibitor side as opposed to purely being on the say the media side, if you will, which is what we've traditionally done in the past. So Matthew, what was kind of your overview, take, whatever general feelings about the show? Yeah. Uh, like you said, um, was a little bit different plan or strategy and feel because, uh, normally we're running around trying to get media for you guys, um, new products and get videos and interviews and post those on social media, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, when we get back to the house and try to get that out, that content out to you guys. Um, we didn't do that this year. Um, and, you know, we're, we're basically in the booth just uh, trying to, uh, you know, uh, tell people about the products we have and that you guys probably know about uh, m- many of them, but just, 
it was just a different feel. I, <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate now those, uh, those guys and, and gals that, that do that, that stand in the booth, all, all shot show. And, uh, and so I, I have a different perspective. I respect that. Um, but yeah, that it, it was cool. It was good because comparing it to last year was a COVID year where everybody had to use wear masks and they were going around making sure people had masks on and all that. Um, this year there was none of that. And the, the numbers seem to be, um, you know, more similar to the years before COVID. So that was a, a good sign. It seemed like there was a lot of people, there, there were a lot of people and a lot of activity. And um, so that, that was good. I, I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so actually uh, in preparation for today's episode, uh, did a little bit of digging on some statistics because that was something I, I wanted to know about. Uh, you know, and in fact, conveniently, I got an email earlier today from the NSSF, that's the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is the organization responsible for putting on SHOT Show each year. And their uh, email here actually had some quick statistics, which uh, I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. So let's go see how that compared to past years. And so total exhibit space, 816,000 square feet. That is a massive, massive show. And in fact, uh, they say here that this is the largest event held at the Venetian Expo and Caesars Forum. Caesars Forum is this big add-on piece they've built uh, next door to the Venetian Expo. And you actually access it by crossing a bridge from the Venetian Expo. The Venetian Expo, for those that maybe are a little bit more in the know, used to be known as the Sands Expo and Convention Center. Um, But its uh, name changed a year or two ago. Um, but now combined uh, with that footprint over at the Caesars forum, you know, add on piece, uh, this is a massive, massive event, uh, that I think the original shot show before they added that piece was like around 700,000 square feet. So this, you know, adds like another 120,000 square feet ish, um, to the show. That's 18.7 acres. That's just, I mean, it's massive. They say here, if you were to walk every aisle of the show, you would walk 13.9 miles. Uh, that's that's a fair bit. Now, the reality is, is nobody probably, uh, unless except for maybe the very first year I attended, I tried to do that, which was quite a challenge in and of itself. Uh, but if you're like me and you, you go to the show and you're, you're trying to hit all these different things and you end up actually doubling back and re covering parts of the show again and again and again as you're trying to, you know, get things done and, and get from, you know, appointment to appointment or meeting to meeting. Uh, I know that just like looking at my steps counter on my smartwatch, uh, there were days I did like, I think there was one day I did 17,000 steps, uh, which I don't remember the exact uh, mileage equivalent at the time, but it was a lot <laughs> in one day, you know, so it was, it was pretty cool. So the curious thing here, what I wanted to know, Matthew was, uh, was this year's show, you know, how, I mean, certainly, I mean, if traffic was, was way different this year than, than last year. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, noticeably so. Right. I, I certainly noticed it. I, I tried to find, uh, attendance statistics for last year's shot show, and I couldn't find anything. Uh, I think they've intentionally not uh, published how many people are in attendance. But if I was going to guess, it felt like about half as many bodies, you know, on the show floor. So this year they're saying that there were a little more than 50, 
52,000 is that yeah more than 52,000 people that attended uh, which actually my memory I, I could have sworn it like at one time I remember them saying there was 80,000 people uh, I don't know if this number is counting exhibitors or not uh, you know like the actual people in the exhibitor booths or if that's just 52,000 maybe it's 80,000 once you count all the people there actually working the show you know as exhibitors and vendors and whatnot uh, either way it's a big show and uh, let's see. So the question, the other question I was, well, how did that compare to pre-COVID times and uh, the 2020 show, which is the last pre-COVID show, had uh, roughly uh, 55,000 people in attendance and 2019 had just over 60,000 in attendance. So uh, this, so 52,000 was pretty close to... Uh, 52,000 is getting pretty close to pre-COVID times. Hey, Ghost Tactical joining us on YouTube says, uh, this was the best shot show for me. He said 80,000 badges were issued, not necessarily how many were actually there. Oh, and that makes sense, true, too. So the 80,000 number, that, that, that's probably what that is, is. That's how many badges were issued. There we go. That's why that probably stuck out in my, in my mind. And that would include all your exhibitor badges and media people and uh, uh, and also just attendees from various, because uh, you got dealers that are going there as buyers. You've got international organizations, even you've got law enforcement, you got military and different agencies that are in attendance. So anyway, so the point is, was uh, this, this, it was really good to see. It kind of felt like the industry getting back to normal somewhat. If we, if we even know what normal is anymore, but <laughs> certainly the feel of the show was, was better than uh, last year. Uh, from an attendance standpoint. And, and and certainly last year was nice for us from a media perspective because it was a lot easier to navigate the show and get places and, and, and for people to give us of their time to either have meetings or to do media coverage uh, because there wasn't as much demand from, you know, just the f- lack of bodies being present. Uh, but whereas we were attending this year as an exhibitor, it was really good to see that there was generally pretty good attendance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as far as like um, innovative wise or innovation or new releases and stuff, I think it's hard for me to say, you know, compare it to years past because I wasn't seeking that stuff out as much this year. Um, I It felt to me just anecdotally like that there wasn't like a lot of groundbreaking earth shattering releases this year or anything that was, you know, um, I don't know, something that I just had to see. Um, but again, that might be just there. And we'll talk about some of those products, but that, that were uh, pretty neat, but, and, and it, that might just be because that wasn't my focus this year um, as uh, compared to years past. Um, I don't know how you felt, but. Yeah. Well, so, Obviously, everyone's going to have a different take, you know, based on what their personal focus or interest is. Um, there were definitely some products I thought were pretty interesting and innovative. Uh, there were plenty of things that were kind of, yeah, it's the same old, same old, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there wasn't any, like, new pistol release from like a concealed carry perspective that was like, Oh wow. Like got to get our hands on that. That's probably what I would say. Right. There, there wasn't, I mean, there was a couple of things. Uh, there's a really interesting new gun from rock Island armory. That's actually completely made in the U S in Cedar city, Utah. Uh, it's called a 5.0. 
and it's not, but it's not necessarily a concealed carry gun. I mean, I suppose you could, uh, but uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. I got my hands on it. I didn't get to shoot it, unfortunately. They had left the range day by the time I could have gotten there, uh, just probably because of weather. But uh, but got to handle it and check it out. That was pretty interesting. I'll talk maybe some more about that in a bit. Um, Pinkus's so, gun. Yeah. Uh, so the Avidity Arms. That was neat. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's neat because it's finally come. it's really hard for <laughs> for an independent entity you know to just pop up and say i'm gonna i'm gonna build a whole new gun from scratch uh you know people are familiar with hudson in fact we had them on the podcast uh, quite a while ago you know a couple years ago uh and they did something really cool and unique and innovative uh and popped up as a as a new independent company trying to build a, a gun company from scratch and it uh in the end didn't ended up ended up not working out as they went out of business as they just couldn't quite sustain continue to just continue to sustain themselves uh so rapinkas is the big you know driver behind avidity arms and has been teasing for six years at least i think i think he said the project started in 2014 uh, I first remember hearing about, it, I think in 2017 and that it's a PD 10 pistol and he brought by a production gun, in, you know, in a case and, uh, they are being made and supposedly shipping, I think next month or the month after. So we'll see how that goes. You know, hopefully they can continue. You know, I, I, I wish everyone the best of success. Uh, and so we'll see if they're able to you know, keep trucking along. That's a, that's a tough, tough thing to do. But, uh, now, you know, six, seven, whatever years later, finally coming to fruition, all these many, many hours of, uh, a lot of work, I'm sure. And a lot of development, um, it's again, not an easy thing to do, but, uh, you know, so I was, I was cool to see. I'm, I'm with you there. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, cause that, you know, I'm, I'm all about, uh, seeing more of that kind of thing, especially from smaller, like independent companies. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nelky's asking. It's a great question, Elky. Uh, difference between the Avidity Arms PD10 and a Glock 48. They're very, very similar. I would say in terms of like overall size and you know uh, like how it feels in the hand, uh, how it would probably carry. I think they would. They, they, I think you'd be hard pressed to tell the really difference between them, uh, just from like a practical standpoint and like a carryability standpoint. Um, they are different in that the PD-10 is a true single-stack magazine gun. Uh, the 48 is kind of a pseudo double-stack. It's a double-stack if you can get the Shield Arms mags. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Glock mags are more like a 1.5 stack, 1.5 stack. But uh, uh, if, you, if, if you're talking about a pure like stock Glock 48 configuration, I mean, they're, they're very similar in size. And basically identical in capacity because you're basically talking about 10 plus one guns. Um, so, you know, I look at, at that and kind of go, well, it's it's a little bit behind the times. Uh, it, it's a gun that had it come out in 2017, 2018, probably would have been a huge hit. Uh, because I think the market at that time was a different market and people would have readily you know, received that with open arms. I think coming out, now in 2023 with a 10 plus one gun that's Glock 48 sized 
it's it's a lot different market, and you know everybody knows that the uh, uh, you know you got the P three sixty five, even a P three sixty five XL uh, is greater capacity, but is smaller than the PD ten. Uh, the P P three sixty five X Macro is probably similar in size. I think it's a little bit shorter in the overall slide length, but uh, probably pretty similar in size, but a 17 plus one compared to a 10 plus one. You know, it's a, a, like a true double stack gun. You've got, uh, you know, even the Shield Plus now. It's a very, again, Shield Plus didn't exist in 2016, 2017. The regular Shield, eight plus one, seven plus one gun, right? In that ballpark. Uh, PD-10 would have been, you know, again, very competitive. So it's a different market. Uh, I think that there's some people that still like you know that 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 type of design, if you will, but it's not nearly going to be what it could have been if it had been released, say, five years earlier. Yeah, Nelke says that Rob mentioned his model was like a thin Glock 19. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Glock came out with the 48 soon after <laughs> Rob was talking about his. I mean, so companies like Glock, uh, companies like Sig. Yeah, some of these companies, uh, of course, SIG really turned the world upside down on its head. Was it 2017 when the P365 came out? I think so. I think I so, think too. I think it was 17. Yeah, it sounds about right. Uh, that that it's, it's remarkable that one pistol can be such a, a game changer in the industry, and it has been. Because, uh, you know, they basically took a gun with the same capacity of a Glock 48 or Pincus's you know, Avidity Arms PD-10, 10 plus one, but then made it a lot smaller, you know? And then they're like, well, let's one-up that. Let's make it slightly bigger and now even more capacity, but still very small. You know, and they've continued to expand on that P365 line. And, and now you've got guns like the X-Macro that's still pretty compact and, and concealable from a carry perspective, but has the capacity and performance potential of more like a full-size gun. Like, it's a, it's a very, very different world. Uh, and that all changed, you know, back when the P365 was released. It's forced Smith & Wesson. It's forced Glock. It's forced, you know, everybody to, to change and innovate, you know, and redefine what was thought of as being kind of this. I think we've gotten to this place where we thought that uh, somewhere between an 8 and 10 round gun, uh, you know, like an 8 plus 1, 10 plus 1, somewhere in that ballpark, we kind of like, hey, that's a, that's a good concealed carry sized gun. Right. And that's that's no longer really the case anymore. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I agree, man. It was an, it, it was good to see. It's good to see him finally bring it to bring it to life or bring it to market. You know, after all the all the waiting. But I, I agree with your points. Um, but I hope he does well with it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us something else, Matthew. Like uh, observations about the show, things you thought were cool. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll go off on this one. Um, you know, and it's certainly possible that I, I, um, didn't read the audience when I published a little post, uh, you know, before SHOT Show telling our readership, um, of those that read, um, <laughs> that, that, uh, that we're going to be going to SHOT Show and will we see you there? And some of the readers, you can't please everybody, and were a little upset with me. I'm going to be honest; they they were upset with me. Uh, they were upset that Shot Show was only open to you know um, 
dealers and, and buyers and media and and it wasn't open to the regular public uh, the you know average joe couldn't just walk in and, and, and see what was going on in there um and that wasn't the intention uh the intention is always you know to involve you guys either you know through the podcast or through readers um what do you want to see what are things that you've heard in the industry that are coming out that you'd like us to go check out and also um, there are a lot of the, you know, readers and, and people that listen to the podcast, Guardian Nation members um, that, that, you know, we we know uh, we've seen them at different shows and things that live out in Las Vegas or go out and, and the, you know, they're exhibitors or or whatever um, who are in Las Vegas. And we wanted to meet up with those people because we we value you know, um, those people that invest in our company and in, in us, and we want to invest back in them and they're friends of ours. And so, um, it was another way to say, Hey, come out and see our booth, come out and see us. We're going to have a meet and greet, um, go get some, uh, some dinner with you guys at this place and time. And so, um, so we did that. And I thought that was awesome because, you know, in years past, uh, as we went for the media, we didn't have like a home base where we could meet up with people, say, hey, you know, come over to our booth. We'll be over there. Um, just when you have time, come over. It's, it's sort of hit and miss. People are going to meetings and, and it, you know, appointments. And it, it's really hard sometimes uh, to, to nail people down. And, and so we had kind of a home booth and or home base and people could come by and we got to see a lot of the people that we that we uh, that that make going to a shop, you know, a show like this, uh, you know, another layer of enjoyment. Seeing people that that you care about and that you like and you haven't seen for you know six months or a year, and then um, going out to dinner and uh, with some of the Guardian Nation members um, that you know we linked up with and had dinner, and um, one of them brought their 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 two sons. He brought his two sons and we got to meet them. And it was just really cool to kind of, um, get to hang out with, with, uh, you know, people that might, you know, re read some articles of yours or, um, listen to the podcast or, you know, and you finally get to meet these people and say, thanks for, you know, supporting us. So that, that was a big highlight of mine, uh, at the, at the at shot show this year. Yeah. Right on, dude. I agree. Um, the uh, meet and greet Wednesday Wednesday evening last week, so a week ago tonight, uh, was absolutely a highlight of the week. Uh, you know, we had a handful of Guardian Nation members that uh, came out and joined with us. Uh, we had some of our, you know, some of our team. Uh, you know, by that, not only just our our guys that work for and with us, but also industry folks that we consider to be part of our family. So the folks from Throom. Uh, Aaron and her dad and mom and their, their team, uh, that make through them targets. They were, they came out to dinner with us that same night, uh, which was really cool. Very, very awesome to have them along with us. Uh, we had, uh, Todd Foss. He was there. Who's taught at our guardian, our last two guardian conferences. Um, I think that was probably about it, but, uh, it was, it was really, you know, we had like 21 or 22 people in this <laughs> just that took over this, uh, the back half of this pizza, small pizzeria in Las Vegas, which apparently, you know, according to uh, uh, w one of the folks from the Thrum team, I can't remember which one said it, but they're they're from back east. They're you know like the New Jersey area uh, where you know they they sh hopefully should know good New York style pizza, and said that this is the best pizza they've had west of the Mississippi. <laughs> so, it was good. It was really good. <laughs> yeah. 
I enjoyed it. We had a good time. It was really good to see some of uh, you folks. Uh, some of you probably, whether you're watching right now, but uh, certainly at some point, I know you'll you'll end up watching or hearing this. But we saw a few of you. You know, Frank and uh, let's see, uh, Dave and yep. Um, trying to remember who all was there, but uh, several of you there. It's good to see you all. Thanks for being there. Thanks for joining us uh, for for that uh, small little meet and greet. Speaking of the show, uh, as you mentioned, it is an industry show. And by that, like you've got to work in the industry to be able to attend. And mm-hmm. I know that that sucks for those of you that, that would like to be able to attend that don't necessarily work in the, in the industry. But uh, uh, there are other shows, you know, like the, the Great American Outdoor Show. Uh, that one is in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania each year. And it's a large show that, you know, that has a lot of the same companies that, that, are, that will be present. We will not be there. That's not one that we'll be at. But uh, uh, the NRA show, which is in April, uh, it's a very similar kind of thing. And so both those shows are wide open to the general public as well as industry people. And you'll see media people there as well, both those shows. Uh, the one show that I think is still continuing to grow and expand is the Concealed Carry Expo put on by the USCCA which we've attended. Uh, so there's a, there's a few opportunities for you to come out to some, some cool big shows and, and see a lot of the same kind of stuff. Uh, but shot show has been kind of this Mecca, if you will. And historically it's where all the big releases would happen at. And one trend we've seen over the last few years, and I think has especially changed since uh, COVID kicked off is that more and more companies are starting to release products as they want to. Yeah, not necessarily tying it to uh, a major show event like they used to. So uh, there's less of the mystique, if you will, of, you know, surrounding shot show like there used to be in that, hey, that's where you want to be because that's where the the new cool stuff is going to be, you know, released and talked about and on display. It's, It's not quite that way so much anymore. We do see a little of that. There certainly are new things at the show. It's just not quite like what it used to be. So yeah. I would say you're not, you know, so those of you that are like, man, I wish I could attend. It still is really cool, but it's not quite, uh, you're not missing out on as much as what you might have, you know, years ago. Yeah. So yeah. Spe- speaking of new products, Riley, is it, uh, would it be appropriate to uh, let the listeners know about our new product that we kind of, debuted our prototype sure Sure. yeah i mean uh, i don't think it's a it's a secret or anything and i think we've alluded to it or talked about it a little here or there but uh and we've said for a couple of years that we wanted to improve and upgrade the hardware for the range tech shot timer uh but it is true we had a uh non-working prototype at the show which was really exciting we we really we, we really were trying to have a working prototype available for the show. That would have been even cooler. Uh, but uh, there was a couple of things held up. Actually, I think it was one one very critical component uh, that uh, I, I still don't think has shipped yet uh, to, uh, you know, that was necessary to make that thing work. But uh, we, we will have a working prototype here, hopefully very soon. But we were able to display a prototype of the case and kind of let you see what the screen looked like, uh, the button layout, that kind of thing, uh, where the speaker and the mic and all that are going to be on the new on the new uh, hardware unit. Uh, we're really excited about the Range Tech Shot Timer. Uh, it is something that we we will be releasing 
later this year. I'm hoping for second quarter of the year, but uh, don't hold me to that. Uh, certainly, I think you know we're on track to be able to do that, but uh, you know there, there there's always a possibility that there'll be some set, setbacks. Uh, but yeah, we had that there. We displayed it. We showed some people it. Got some really you know favorable feedback about it. Uh, people were really excited about version two of the Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timer, and uh, yeah, it was it was really I'll tell you even just getting the non-working prototype in hand in time for the show. I think Jacob picked that up. Uh, the morning of the day that he and I left and hit the road. Uh, so it was, even that was kind of last minute and it was, it was really, really cool to have in the hand and be able to, you know, we've been talking about it and meeting with, with engineers and stuff. In fact, I was going back and looking at emails last night and noticed, uh, that some of the very first emails with the, some of the team that's involved on the development of the, of the new timer unit, uh, date back to almost a year ago. So that's, uh, yeah, you know, that gives you a sense that you know for a solid year now we've really been working pretty hard on that, and it's exciting to be you know to see the light at the end of the tab- of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, maybe you did, but um, if you didn't and you were wondering, one of the big big changes to the timer for the pro one, it's going to have a screen. So yep. that, that for, for you that have been, you know, that have the Bluetooth shot timer, you like it, uh, but you wish it had a screen, there's going to be a pro version coming with the screen shortly. So that'll be cool. Yep. Yep. Uh, yes. has a screen. It does. I can confirm. And the <laughs> uh, non-working prototype that we had on display had one of the actual, like the actual screens uh, installed in it. Just obviously couldn't power it up or anything, but uh, yeah, that, so if you happen to see that, that is the, that's the screen. There's, there's an overlay that will be over top, like a, you know, a window, um, which was not quite installed yet on that, on the non-working prototype, but it certainly gave people an idea of, about what that would look like. Yep. 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 Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. You know, we got to uh, display uh, all, again, all of our different brands. Mountain Medical had a lot of, a lot of interested folks uh, checking out our, you know, very competitive value priced, uh, but name brand quality uh, trauma kits for Mountain Man Medical. Uh, a lot of people interested in that. And it was interesting actually seeing that in that, in that space, in that, you know, in that trauma kit, uh, I don't know if you call that an industry, but, you know, in that space, we're very, very competitive. Uh, we were, and we, and that's intentional. We, we've, tried very hard to have affordably priced but nothing but quality trauma kits available to the masses with mountain Man medical so that was cool uh, a lot of people got to see you know we, we've had them for oh like a month or so but new packaging for the ksg armory holsters um, but people got to see that on display and kind of what that would look like if you're and, and i would hope that at some point in the new, relatively new future you may see at a local dealer KSG Army holsters hanging on a rack or on a shelf somewhere um, in our you know new very very nice packaging. So that was pretty cool to have that on display. Um, let's see, a lot of people in, you know interested in uh, a lot of well, like we got. With the, here's the thing: Ready Up Gear is our brand that kind of is a bunch of these different shooting and uh, range type accessories. Um, doesn't quite get the love it probably deserves. There's some really cool products uh, from Ready Up Gear, 
And we had a lot of that on display there. And uh, I mean, it's, it's all kinds of things, right? Like even down to the rechargeable batteries that we have. I mean, we've got triple A's and double A's available. We've got 18, six fifties and 16, three forties. And you know, and, and all you need is a micro USB cable to plug those in and recharge them. Like you don't need to, you don't need to keep track of a separate, battery charger or that kind of thing you know they're really super awesome and convenient um, we had those on display we had you know our our hearing protection products um roger 22s the soft seals that that continues to be a hit amongst people people really like the the silicone gel filled uh it's an add-on product that you can add on to your roger 22 ear pro but also we have them so, so that you can fit them to, uh, we've got them available for walkers, for most of your walkers uh, over the year, ear protection muffs. Uh, also Peltors, some of the models of Peltors, and also uh, Howard Lights, um, which are a pretty popular one as well. And so people continue to really like those. Uh, some cleaning kits and other different things. It was, overall was, was really cool. We also had some concealedcarry.com uh, stuff, you know, uh, products there, uh, some of our video products. But uh, one thing that was kind of cool to me was to talk to one gentleman that was interested in possibly, you know, ordering some targets from us. And, of course, last year we debuted the CCI PIQ target, uh, which is a target of my of my design uh, that I've worked on for, for some time. And, you know, we were able to, to find a, a company that could print them for us in large quantities for a reasonable price. And, of course, they're, they're available on the site. And, uh, well, you know, one guy... From that represents some large agency interests was like ah, I'd like to get some targets from you. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. So yeah, uh, and I think we'd be uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Glock's yep. groundbreaking release of their new trigger. Well, yeah. So let's get into the products then. So what are some of the products and things we saw? Well, you brought up the the first obvious one. Um, the so well and i should say that what happened at this show is that glock officially debuted the glock 47 mos mm-hmm. to the public it was available for some time it, it, it's an agency gun it, i believe it's the gun that the border patrol was essentially responsible for uh you know basically went to presumably well i think what happened is that, that they put out a uh, an rfp a request for, for proposals saying we want a new service pistol and uh, Glock, and they had some specific things they wanted to see in that. Glock happened to be the winner of that. And from that was born the Glock 47 MOS, which is basically the way to think of it is, uh, the simple way to think of it is it's like a Glock 45, you know, a, a Gen 5 product, uh, but with a long, but with a set Glock 17 length slide. So the Glock 45 is, you know, it has a long grip like a Glock 17, like a full-size Glock, but it has the shorter slide configuration, similar to a Glock 19. The Glock 47 basically is that, but just with the Glock 17 length slide. So it has the shorter dust cover, uh, you know, of, of like what you would find on a Glock 19 frame, but has the full-length grip of a Glock 17 along with the full-length, uh, it's like a, it's a four-and-a-half-inch barrel of the Glock 17. Um, and that's the Glock 47. And it's MOS, so optics ready. And so that was officially debuted as an available to the general public model option, not just an agency, federal agency level purchase. And along with that that you referenced is the new Glock performance trigger. 
And that was actually kind of interesting to me because, well, I mean, typically, I, I think this is the first real product that Glock has brought to market that's not a gun. It's an accessory for a gun. Right. It's, it's a, you know, it's an after, it's not aftermarket in that it's made by Glock, but it's, you know, it's a trigger that you can then replace the factory trigger with. And it's made by Glock. And I got that confirmation. I was talking to Shane Coley, who is their uh, team captain of Team Team Glock. And, uh, you know, I've known Shane for a few years now. We've shot some of the same big matches together. And I was like, so tell me, Shane, like, are you guys having somebody make this trigger for you? Or is this a true Glock product? He says, no. He's like, our philosophy at Glock is we want everything to be made by Glock. Any, anything that we're selling it's ma- it's made in house. Uh, I think they feel that they can control uh, quality and and all that a lot better by doing so. And I, I think that's that's a really s- smart move. So it is a Glock made performance trigger. They've never done anything like that before. Did you get your hand? Did you go try it? Yeah, yeah, I did. And in by performance, you know, I, I know that means a lot to different. You know, means different things to different people. We're not talking about like a. Um, a competition trigger with, you know, really light trigger. It, it's uh, essentially, it's the same. uh, If if I'm correct, it's still around five pound uh, trigger, right? Uh, It's a flat shoe instead of the rounded. Um, I mean, internally it's different, but it feels, it feels a lot better. They did away. It does away with like the traditional, you know, the Glock trigger, that spongy kind of feel, um, it was definitely, you, you, you would definitely feel a difference in it. Um, but it's not something that is like, a um, it, you, you could carry, what I'm trying to say is you could use it for EDC. It's not, you know, just for a, a, a competition type trigger. Mm-hmm. So, so it is, it is a reduced trigger weight. Uh, oh, it, okay. it, it depends on which connector you, ha- you install in the gun. Yeah. Um, I think the, the uh, the standard configuration is for four and a half pounds. Mm-hmm. This is according to their website, by the way. I, I had to pull it up. Um, I was asking the question at the booth, and I think it's so new that some of the people there didn't quite have all the specs available. Uh, I know that Shane Coley talking to him, he's like, "Well, if I, you know, if I use a minus connector, and I think he even said he didn't even have to do a whole lot of polishing. He was getting down close to three pounds. Oh, wow. um, Glock on their website says if you're using the uh, Glock connector two, uh, it's a 4.1 trigger. If you're using the standard Glock five, you know, Gen five connector, it's a 4.5 trigger pull, uh, 4.5 pound trigger pull. And, and again, with the minus connector, it sounds like it's a, it's a bit less uh, than four pounds. So, uh, yeah, so that I mean it, it, it it's it's a lower it's a lower trigger pull weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still a a wall, um, but I'd say it's not quite as defined as what you would be used to with a factory trigger. Uh, I actually quite like it, and I I, I know I'm an odd one uh, with respect to this because some people you know really like a a real crisp trigger wall. Uh, I, I want as little wall as possible. And I know that's strange to some people. And I say this is true for like striker fired guns in, in, you know, primarily uh, because like basically what I want is a, it can be a 
just about any length. I don't want it to be super long, but I, I'm not overly concerned about trigger pull length. Uh, I just, or even so much the weight, although I like triggers in the three and a half to four pound range. Uh, I just want it to be like a button that I push and make the gun go bang when I want it to go bang. Uh, now, if it's a nice 1911 or 2011 type gun uh, or anything, it's like a true single action, then I like a, a good crisp and yet still light trigger for those types of applications. But for me, I like a lot of my striker fired guns to operate similar to a, like a double action only revolver, but really, really smooth, really smooth. I mean, I like smooth, relatively light, um, decent travel distance is okay. Okay. Uh, I, I just want, as little interruption to this action. Once once the trigger finger starts moving, if there's a wall, if I hit this really hard thing and I have to push through it, like that's fine, I'll do it. But like if the less of that there is, the more freely this thing can just do its work. So you know I, that's kind of what I like. And I, and for the, for me, the, the Glock performance trigger feels like a smooth uh, kind of double action type trigger, uh, but not not overly heavy and so it's it's very very usable very easy to shoot uh accurately with and quickly with and that's ultimately i you know what i like to see in a gun like this so you know i got to shoot with the glock 47 mos at the range on monday of last week with the performance trigger in it and i shot i think it was a glock 45 right before that that was with just a standard factory trigger very noticeable difference between them for me uh, I could shoot both guns just fine, but I definitely had a preference for the performance trigger. So if I was, uh, getting a, a Glock, you know, or if I had, or if I used a Glock or carried a Glock, uh, and I'd be okay, personally speaking. I mean, everyone has to make this kind of decision for themselves. Uh, I'd be okay with this for like a, a carry gun, uh, especially, you know, if it's like a four to four and a half pound trigger, I'd have no qualms about that whatsoever. Uh, making it a little bit smoother and easier to, to, fire the gun. I, I see no problems with that. Uh, but you know, make those, make those decisions for yourself. Uh, I see that Elky said that he has ordered one, uh, based on my review last week. I, I just posted a short little kind of reel on my social media, you know, showing me shoot, shooting the clock performance trigger in the, in the, uh, 47 and said, you know, like it shoots good. You know, it's nothing crazy, but, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as good as like the, some people asked me this, but uh, doing a little bit more uh, reflection and, and research on this, it's not as quite as good, I'd say, as the Timney trigger. I don't have a ton of, I've only pulled the Timney trigger a little bit. Um, I think you can get a little bit better trigger characteristics with the Timney, but uh, I, I wouldn't say it's, you know... At the at Timmy trigger is a pretty expensive trigger, so <laughs> I guess you know make your your decision there of uh, what what what's most important to you. Do you want the absolute best? Um, then you know get the Timney, you know, and of course if you can get that to run reliably, because I've you know those are kind of hit or hit or miss sometimes, depending on the Glock you put them in, and depending on how well I guess you I don't know. I, I've just heard all kinds of stories about people having some issues with Timneys in the mm-hmm. in the Glocks. Um, so there you go. I know uh, you you uh, were interested in the the new pistol from Canik. That was something that. You- yeah. Uh, so, and this was a bit of a surprise. So, talk. This was I I think something that 
kind of was like, I mean, there was some social media posts and, and some press release type information uh, a few days before the show. Uh, but it was kind of out of the blue. And uh, that was the uh, new steel frame Canic Rival pistol. It's known as the Rival S, the S for steel, steel frame. And it's uh, it's nice. I mean, it's, I'll tell you. So, you know, and I know Niels Jonathan, who's uh, Canic's professional sponsored shooter. Uh, I've shot with Niels, actually squatted with him a couple of times. He's a great guy and, of course, an amazing shooter. 2022 was the year of Niels. He won pretty much every national championship event that he entered, um, which is just a phenomenal thing. I, I don't think anybody's won as many events in a single year except for Rob Latham. And I, even that, I think uh, Niels uh, beat Rob in that category in terms of number of national championships in a single year. Um, and uh, the Canic rival, which is Nils baby, you know, he, he worked together with Canic to design the, the rival pistol, uh, which is, you know, based off of like their SFX type guns, but it's a little bit different and is definitely competition uh, oriented. The, that's the gun that, that Nils won everything with was with the, with the standard rival pistol, and then all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, boom, hey, we have a steel frame version. And I definitely want to check that out. Uh, and it is an impressive little gun. It's heavy, too. And that's that's the whole idea, right? So I, I actually mentioned in the show description that, that maybe we would talk about some of the trends for 2023. And so one of those trends, Matthew, and this Canic Rival S uh, is a part of that discussion is that we're starting to see this trend where uh, full-size guns, more and more companies are wanting to come out with uh, heavier versions or at least metal-framed versions of typically guns that already exist. Uh, again, I got to say that SIG is kind of the innovator driver you know, in that respect by a couple of years ago releasing the X5 Legion, which was with their proprietary patented technology that is tungsten infused polymer so it's still a polymer uh in, injection molded grip module but it's got tungsten infused in it and it's heavy and and i've been shooting an x5 legion for a few years now competitively and it's a great gun and i i, I love the weight frankly i think you know my gun's right around 42 and a half 43 ounces it's a great weight i i, I like the way it feels i like the way it shoots uh, I don't know that I'd want heavier than that necessarily. And I could certainly shoot guns lighter than that, but it, it's a really, really good balance for me, especially from a competitive aspect. And I've also carried a, uh, P3, a P320 with the tungsten grip module. Uh, and and I, I'm okay with that. I have no problem. I'm a big guy. I can carry a 43-ounce gun. It doesn't really matter much to me. Um, but anyway... So that, you know, that was kind of, I think, the, the kicker. And now you start to see, so what's happened is is a few companies have started to do similar things. You see uh, CZ now, you know, has come out with larger and heavier framed models of, of their uh, Shadow 2 guns. Uh, you got the AO1, AO1LD, stuff from CZ Custom. So, you know, got companies that are making guns that are 50 ounces and heavier. Uh, you got earlier or just late last year, Smith & Wesson released their uh, competitor version of their M&P pistol, which is metal framed, but 
again, I think they, they've missed the boat there. We did a whole episode. Well, we didn't do the whole episode on that, but we spent a good time talking about it because uh, it's metal framed. And I, I picked that up for the first time at SHOT Show, that competitor pistol. And I'm like, no, oh, looks nice, feels nice. But why they decided to make it about as light or even possibly an ounce lighter than their polymer framed you know, version of that same gun is still beyond me. Because I think the trend is to go heavier, not maintain same weight or lighter. And then Canic certainly reaffirms us in that line of thinking by coming out their steel frame version, right? So um, whether you you folks are competitive shooters or not, competition, the competitive shooting sports in particular, uh, are drivers of innovation in in the, the, the gun manufacturing community in the industry. Uh, so, you know, uh, you got actually a whole new division that USPSA is looking at creating known as limited optics, uh, basically to the idea to, to allow pretty much any gun, uh, including single action guns like 2011s and, uh, you know, that, type, you know, like a staccato type pistol or a Springfield prodigy even could fit into the limited optics category, put an optic on it. Um, and, uh, you know, you can have a, a heavy gun, you can have a magwell, all this stuff. Right. So, uh, we're going to see some interesting trends continue to develop. Uh, and, and that whole division has been created as a response to more and more people becoming interested in double stack 1911 and 2011 guns such as staccatos, such as the Springfield Armory Prodigy, and so forth. And so they're, they're, and this has been the case for the industry for a long time. You know, competition breeds innovation. Further innovation also then sometimes is a feedback loop back into the competitive world. Well, okay, now people have really run with that and created this whole other animal. Now, how are we going to address and fit that within, you know, our rule sets in the competitive shooting community. So IDPA has made some adjustments again in their rules. Uh, they're actually becoming even more like open armed, you know, like welcoming to uh, like the, the carry optics division in IDPA is kind of like their open division equivalent as, you know, open division in USPSA. So lots of interesting things there, but the Canic Rival S, here's the, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. I know I just spent a bunch of time talking. That is a steel frame gun. Traditionally, steel frame guns are a lot more expensive than polymer framed guns to make, right? That gun's MSRP is $949 for a steel frame, what they call their chromed version. So it's a it's a you know lighter color. Their um, dark finished version, their blued, whatever you I don't know what they call it. But their dark version is eight ninety nine MSRP for a steel frame pistol. It's striker fired, but the trigger on it's awesome, and it comes with a holster. It comes with a bunch of mags. It comes with all the optic plates you possibly could think or want for all basically all of the popular optic options. So whatever optic you want to put on it, I mean, it comes out of the box ready to go. I think it even comes with a magwell. So, uh, you know, removable magwell. So that is a, it's, it's a ready to go gun out of the box, ready to compete with out of the box in a number of, of, uh, divisions, you know, leave iron sights on it, go shoot production division, no magwell, uh, run some standard capacity mags, no more than 10 rounds in, you know, in, in, in them production division gun, uh, run the 
competition mags that comes with it. No mag well. Put optic on it. Shoot carry optics. Uh, Want to shoot this new limited uh, or limited optics provisional division? Put a mag well on it. Optic on it. Full full capacity mags. Whatever. Go shoot limited optics. I mean, it's and they they also had some display guns sitting there in the booth as well that had frame mounted optic mounts. Uh, you could add a compensator onto that gun. Frame mounted optic. Go shoot open division. I don't, you know, and, and as Neil's proved in 2022, uh, I think the, the gun is becoming less and less important as far as like, do you have to have a open, a true open division 2011 style gun to compete in open division? Probably not because for a long time, people thought you had to compete with a 2011 or a double stack 1911 in limited division to be competitive. And Neil's won limited nationals last year with a Canic hmm. polymer framed. Uh, in nine millimeter <laughs> shooting minor power factor. So like that's anyway, not, I mean, he's obviously a beast uh, and that's not everybody, but uh, it just goes to show that you put in the work. It is, it is, it's you that uh, matters, you know, in terms of performance, not as much the gun, the gun is certainly, you know, an important part of the, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tool and an important part, important one at that. But Anyway, really, really crazy. I, 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 man, if you had asked me to throw a price out, I've been like, ah, uh, probably twelve, you know, eleven ninety nine, twelve ninety nine, somewhere in there, for those still framed uh, rival S's. <laughs> then Nils told me he's like, no, oh, this one's eight eight ninety nine, and that one's nine forty nine. What? That's crazy. <laughs> I can barely buy a X five Legion for that. with with not nearly you know all the accessories and components and add-ons and and not being still framed and like it's just like wow that's crazy so i think this year uh is gonna in terms of the competitive shooting sports 2023 so 2022 is the year of nils and i think he's still going to be he's still continue going to continue to be dominant uh in the shooting sports last year was nils year this year will probably still be his year too but this year is going to be Canik's year. I think we're going to see those guns uh, sell. I, I, they're going to sell a lot of them. And mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot of those being used at, at competition events. And that's probably going to translate also into, you know, what regular folks are. Because that, that's always the case. The one reason why 320s have become as popular as they are and 365s have become as popular as they are is because Max Michelle was dominant for so many years shooting a P320. So... Uh, Beretta is starting to make a comeback because JJ had a couple of pretty solid years, pretty dominant years in a couple divisions. And we're starting to see, you know, Beretta is a little bit more relevant again. Canic is going to become hugely relevant because people are going to see, you know, some the, one of the top shooters in the game running a Canic pistol. Cool. Some other things. Let's see. Uh, we're kind of. I, I just looked at the time. I'm like, oh wow. Uh, Elky said the new M17 optic from Sig. Uh, this is the an optic that they've designed to to basically fit the military contract gun, the MHS gun, the M17, M18 guns. Uh, it is a fully enclosed emitter optic that is supposed to be really robustly built. I unfortunately did not get a chance to actually lay hands on it. Uh, I've reviewed the specs on it. It looks like a really solid little optic. Just think that it's basically an, an Aimpoint Acro P2, but made by SIG. All right. That's basically what it is, or at least the concept of it. Uh, let's see. Connor wanted to know if I got to check out the DR920L. I, I did. I didn't I didn't get to shoot it. Uh, I did handle it. 
uh, you know what? Shadow Systems is making some really cool stuff these days, and they've got a bunch of variations now, which is kind of interesting to me. Uh, it's kind of the Sig Sauer model. <laughs> it's like you, you can get any kind of gun model version configuration thing that you wish. They, they pretty much are offering it now over their Shadow Systems. Uh, looks like a solid gun, Connor. I mean, that's their basically their Glock 34-sized version. Um, so, yeah, I think people are going to be shooting those in competition. It's going to be a great gun, I'm sure. Pretty cool. Um, let's see. Yeah, Elkie commenting back on the Glock performance trigger based on Timmy's de- design. It, yeah, I would say so. It's based on that design. It, it basically takes your Glock. The Glock performance trigger basically takes what has up to this time been a half-cocked striker in Glock pistols and makes it fully cocked. So up till now, every time you press the trigger on a Glock, you're finishing cocking the striker the rest of the way, and then it releases it. And the new performance trigger keeps that striker fully uh, cocked. So all that's happening is it's just releasing it, uh, which honestly is the more common approach. Um, you know, that's how 320s work. That's how XDs work. That's how the MMPs work. You know, the most striker-fired guns are fully cocked. Um, and there was one other thing I wanted to comment on, Matthew. Oh, uh, Brad here. Most recent comment on Facebook, Smith & Wesson has that new 10mm, is metal frame. Yeah, so they're taking that same metal frame that they basically are using for that competitor gun and putting other stuff on it. So 10 millimeter. Yep, cool, got it. I know the 10 millimeters become like a, a more of a thing all of a sudden in the last couple of years. Uh, that is, uh, continues to be a trend. And the other trend that I've seen is more companies really diving into the idea of pistols chambered in 5.7 by 28. Um, which I don't really get, but that's okay. It's cool. You know, I'm cool with options. You know, for a long time, we, we basically had what the, the FN seven, right. And, uh, cool, whatever. And then Ruger all of a sudden comes out with one a couple of years ago and people are like, Oh wow. The, the, the 5.7 is relevant again. And now you're seeing, you know, Smith and Weston has come out with something similar. And so, uh, yeah, 10 millimeters trending. 5.7s and pistols trending. All right, cool, whatever. <laughs> uh, I I think 10 10 millimeter is cool. What you know, I don't need one necessarily. Uh, maybe one day I'll have one, but yeah, whatever. It's cool. I got nothing it's against one more. Them. It's one more than nine. That's what one, I tell Brad. One more than nine. That's right. It's one That's more right. than nine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting because the 40 has all but died on us, you know, as, as a service duty caliber. And instead in its place, you know, what it originally was, (laughs) where it originated from the 10 millimeter, um, you know, we see the 10 millimeter kind of resurging a little bit. Uh, I think most people, there's a lot of people are interested in using 10, 10 millimeter for hunting purposes. And that's part of it. But there's also some people that seem to want to carry them and that's fine. I don't get it. I think it's overkill. I think it's unnecessary. I think you're beating yourself up and making, you know, it harder for you to, 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 you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I have no desire to carry a 10 millimeter for defensive purposes. Um, but, uh, you do you and I'm happy to have options. So those, those are the trends. Uh, we're continuing to see everything op is offered in optics ready platforms. We continue to see, uh, 
more heavy guns, steel frame guns become a thing. And we see 10 millimeters and five sevens trending. But there's one other thing we haven't touched on, Matthew. I don't know if you got the chance to take a look at them, but how about optics ready revolvers? Yeah, I saw that. And I saw you, uh, you shot at a uh, range day and you seem to like it. It's pretty neat. It's, it's innovative. Like, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good idea and revolvers are coming back. And so it makes sense to, you know, put it like a little modern spin or bring them up, modernize them. I don't know if that's the right term, but yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I see it as just like the next evolution, you know, the next step, Uh, a few years ago, you know, Hey, optics ready, semi-automatic pistols starts becoming a thing. Every manufacturer start, starts offering that, uh, even standard from the factory, right? Uh, so what else are we going to put optics on? We'll put optics on all the things, including revolvers. And so Taurus was the big, you know, that was the big thing that, that, that at this year's show was Taurus showing up with optics ready. It's their 856 model and their 605 model. They, they're both, uh, you know, basically your 38 caliber uh, uh Revolvers, the 856 being a six shot, the 605 being a five shot. Uh, I believe that are those available in 357? I can't re- I can't recall, and that doesn't really matter to me either way. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, ready from the factory with a plate, ready for an optic. You know, you can put like a 507K on there, a 407K, a Shield RMSC, uh, any number of these optics now that are starting to be made, kind of with that same. Uh, it's the, it's the old, like doctor optic mini, you know, it, it, which is the RMSC footprint is basically what it is. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. I shot it. You know, I, I think it's, why not? It's cool. I like dots on guns and I also don't mind revolvers, even though I've been a semi-auto man for a long time. Uh, the last year I've spent a little bit more time getting familiarized again with revolvers. I bought a, I bought a model 15. Um, man, that's been probably nine months ago. Um, I bought a, a small Smith and Wesson 442. Um, and, uh, you know, been shooting them and getting, you know, getting more familiar with revolvers, uh, and trying to like find what, what is the case to be made for a revolver? Yeah. I, I think they're still relevant. I don't think they're, highly relevant in today's world but i think there's a place for them it's a niche place um but hey there should be a place for them to play and they we shouldn't judge (laughs) or discriminate and they should be able to get optics too so caleb giddings over at taurus who uh they're recently hired as of a few months ago director i think director of marketing i think is his position title uh that's a big thing for him he's been playing with optics on revolvers for a few years and they made it a priority to come out with an optics ready uh revolver so pretty cool. Other interesting things from Taurus, they also have a uh, their TX-22 pistol in a compact version. That was their new thing at the show. Solid little gun. Shot that as well. Um, I have the full, more of the full-size TX-22. It's been a great 22 long rifle semi-automatic pistol. Uh, frankly, I would send people to that before I'd send you to a Glock 44. Uh, just in terms of like performance and reliability. Um yeah, it's it's a great little gun, and Taurus I know continues to innovate and wanting they they want to change their repu- you know improve upon their reputation. 
uh, you know, they've they've earned a bad and rightfully so a, a bad rep- reputation um, for you're not having super awesome quality for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. And they've been trying to change that. And I think that they're starting to turn that. I think they, I think they have turned that corner. The rest of the industry is going to be slow to recognize that. Uh, from what I've been seeing thus far, I've been, I've tested their G3, the G3C, GX4. They've all been performing very reliably. Uh, the TX22, these new revolvers, uh, talking to Brian Eastridge, our buddy over at EDC Belt Company and also host of the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. Uh, he's saying their revolvers are making, they're putting out and the way they're making them and building them, they're, that they're solid, that they're a lot, lot better than they used to be. And I also spent some time talking to the engineer, one of their engineers at uh, Taurus about that a little bit and asking him from his point of view, because he's worked for a lot of different companies through the years, you know, what he thought about these changes that have been implemented in, in his view on that. And uh, I was, I, you know, I'm not going to spend any more time getting into the, the details of that, but I was actually quite impressed uh, after my conversation with this engineer um, that has worked for FN, that has worked for, I think he said Smith and Wesson. I think, um, trying to think there was another company he said he worked for, but uh, works for Taurus and super impressed with uh, what they're trying to do to improve quality and, and reputation. Um, one thing that was interesting to me, I'll, I'll just share this one bit. This was really interesting to me, Matthew. So he said that at one time that uh, a lot of stuff from Taurus was hand-fitted. Uh, to, to it, like it was basically ready to go, but there'd be minor hand. And this is probably true of a lot of uh, guns that are made in the industry, honestly, uh, with a few exceptions. But but here's the thing is like, even with some of the parts that didn't necessarily need to be hand-fitted, like they had employees on assembly lines that sometimes would like buff things and polish things a little extra here, a little extra there, just because they kind of felt like it. Um, and so like, I'm sure that some of those employees are well-meaning, but what that leads to is a lot of inconsistencies and you get reports from consumers that are like, well, my gun had a super awesome trigger. Oh, my mine, mine sucked. You know, like, well, of course you're going to have those kind of inconsistent reports. If you have inconsistent processes behind the scenes where some guns are getting a little extra love and some aren't at all. And so that was actually, he's like, we were changing that completely, um, that approach. And of course they've moved more manufacturing to the States here as well. Uh, so just interesting to hear some of that and, uh, get a little bit of, a understanding behind the scenes of what, you know, some of the processes they've, they've tried to improve upon. Yeah. yeah. So. I think the last thing though, did you by chance check out that 5.0 pistol from rock on armory? I didn't. Nope. So this one was really interesting. Um, we're out of time, but uh, it, I don't know what niche it really fits or fills other than probably more of a competition one. Um, but it's a it's an all-metal gun. Uh, has a different action type than, you know, like most semi-automatics we see these days are either like a 1911 style or a uh, Browning style you know, action that locks and unlocks. This one is very, very different. It actually has a locking block at the, near the front of the barrel um, and through the means of, as the slide cycles, this locking block kind of like cams down and out of the way. Um, Very, very interesting, very unique design. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. I, again, don't know what it means or where it's going to go or what it'll turn into, if anything, 
but something that was kind of out of everything I saw, probably the most innovative as far as like handguns go that I've seen in a while. Very interesting, very unique, very different. The the barrel in that uh, doesn't like it. Basically, remains it does it it moves a little bit to the rear and then back forward again during cycling, but it doesn't tilt and it doesn't rotate either. So it's just you know it, it's not a fixed barrel. So that's what was kind of interesting about it. So the the mechanism that it works by is is kind of unique and, and intriguing. Um, there was something else popped in my head. Oh, the Breda ADX Cheetah. That was the other thing I got my hands on. Didn't get to shoot it. A uh, little, you know, it's like a micro version of the Breda 92, but chambered in 380 auto. Uh, pretty cool little gun. Had a really nice double action trigger and single. It's a DASA, you know, gun. Anyway, there you go. I think I, I, I there's probably <laughs> other things, but I think I got it all out as far as I could recall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know we're, I know we're, uh, we're, press for time here. Uh, I just wanted to give one shout out to uh, our friend, Sarah Joy Elbricht. We did an interview mm. with her here on the podcast. Yep. It was uh, She's uh, the founder of Hold My Guns um, organization. And it was just, it was cool to see her and she had a booth there for the first time. Lots of traffic going over there with people uh, donating things and, and, um, and just her organization helping people, um, you know, secure their guns properly, you know, in, in crisis mode, uh, places where they can take their guns and stuff. It was good to see that as well and see her organization doing so well uh, at the show as well. So I, I just wanted to throw that. That was a, that was a big highlight of a uh, shot show for me yeah. too. It was really good to see her. Uh, she is a wonderful, wonderful person. And if you missed that episode, uh, go go catch that one. Uh, a couple months ago, we did that interview with her, talking about her organization, Hold My Guns. Great, great organization. Great mission. Wonderful, wonderful human being. And uh, it was really, really good to see her. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, we had a great time at SHOT Show this year. Uh, again, it was different seeing it from the exhibitor side of the show as well. Uh, you know, honestly, it felt like we, we would have been happy to see a little bit more traffic come our, our way of our booth, but we were in the very, very bottom level where, you know, some people jokingly refer to it as the dungeon or the basement. Um, hopefully we can get a little bit better, uh, position next year, assuming that we uh, do get a booth again. I think we will. Uh, but, uh, other, other, you know, other than that, it was honestly, I thought it was pretty great. And we had a lot of great people stop by and we thank all those of you that did stop by. You know, we had visits from, uh, golly, Mickey Shook, Brian Eastridge. Uh, you just mentioned Sarah, Sarah Joy. Uh, she came by. We had uh, John Korea that stopped by. We had uh, Jim Harmer Ghost. from Backfire YouTube channel. Yeah. Ghost Tactical came over. Yep. I, uh, I missed him, but. Uh, Rob Pincus. Uh, and there was a bunch of others that, that stopped by and took, Oh, Michael Bain came by, did a little video there. So really thank you. Big thanks to all the, those of you that did come and see us at the show. And those of you that, uh, follow some of our content and also this podcast. So we thank you. Couldn't do what we do without your support. And one final shout out to our sponsors that make it also possible to do what we do. Uh, today's sponsors being CCW safe, ccwsafe.com is where you can find them. And Guardian University. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash Guardian University. And so with that, Matthew, a final goodbye. 
Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Take care.